0: Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles people who are passionate about what they do for a living, what organization they belong to, or the community they are a part of. Here is your host, Dave Cunningham. Thank you, Steve. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Our guest in this episode was brought to my attention as a musician. Like many other artists in this community, he has had a long history of performing and working on his own music, and we'll talk about that. But he has another passion, a passion that began after watching a particular film. For over a decade, he has focused on enlisting help from various segments of the community in the fight against sex trafficking. In this conversation, I explore those twin passions with my guest, Doug Vander Doug, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Let's remind the folks listening today that this particular episode is being recorded in early February 2023. And there are a couple of passions that you have that I'd like to explore in our conversation today. One of them is your ongoing efforts to increase awareness about human trafficking. Yes. And the other is making music. Uh Uh-huh. Those are the two biggies. So we are going to start with music way back when. Way back. You were in the military. I was, yeah. At one particular point, and you were a drummer in the military?
1: Yeah, drummer slash percussionist, yeah.
0: And you played with whom?
1: Well, um, when I got in, I went to the School of Music up in Borden, CFB Borden, for two years. Uh, that was like 89, 90. Uh, my first posting after that was to the Navy Band in Halifax. So that's uh, the Staticona Band. And i um, there for a couple of years and kind of a different story my father as well professional musician was the director of music of the Vimy band here in Kingston okay. at the same time and uh so i'm down in halifax settling in newly married you know getting my feet wet down there and uh 2 years in i hear that he's being posted to halifax from here and you know he wasn't my immediate supervisor and there's nothing in the books that said we couldn't work together but in all their wisdom, uh, in the ivory tower, they decided, you know what? Let's not open up that you know, can of worms. So we're going to flip you guys. So uh, I have my marching orders. Um, I'm on my way to, to Vimy. Uh, and he's going to come down to Kingston or to Halifax. But what was really cool was... He had a tour of Europe lined up. They are shutting down the bands um, or the basses in Lahr and Baden. Mm-hmm. And he was short a percussionist. So he pulled a few strings and had me come up with my wife um, maybe a month or so early. So we got a to tour of Europe together with the band and then do a recording up in Ottawa. So I was able to work with him, which was really amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy, great musician. And um, yeah, so that was cool. But that brought me to Kingston, my wife and I. So we were here with Vimy for a couple of years. And then um, they did massive reduction in, in the military. So it's called the forced reduction plan in 94. And they cut our branch like in half. And given my, my instrument as a percussionist and the time in, I was right on that line. Some of the guys I went to the school with who were drummers, they fell on the good side of that line, and I happened to fall on the <laughs> not so good. So I would say, you know what? You can either remuster, and become an infantry soldier, and we'll hand in your drumsticks for a weapon? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I don't Uh, think so. (laughs) So I took the nice little package, and uh, my wife is from Kingston, so we just decided, you know what, let's settle in Kingston. So we've been here since 93, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, my military days came to an abrupt end six years in, and um,
0: yeah, and here we are. So you weren't with a marching band, you were with a band that basically stayed still and played for a group of people well it was everything so okay anything i mean the music
1: branch really is a public relations you know tool right mm-hmm. so we did um oh man a real diverse um, bunch of stuff i mean we would do the military stuff the marching around you know the parade squares and changing command parades and we'd be doing mess dinners you know up on the base and which would just sit down and just doing dinner music we did my favorite, was um, a lot of this in Halifax, more so than Kingston, but um, like high school tours or university tours. So we'd travel around Ontario, Quebec, and we'd do high school concerts, basically promoting the Canadian Armed Forces and with an emphasis on the music side of it. Right. Um, so we did a lot of those kind of functions, which is pretty cool. A lot of like just pop music and anything that's current of the day, just, you know, arrange it for full band kind of arrangements and stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun. A mm-hmm. lot of fun. We we did the whole thing. So I'd be out there with my snare drum or bass drum, you know, doing all that stuff, marching troops around in the pouring rain or whatever it may be, um, Remembrance Day ceremonies, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Those were like, you know, every year we're doing that stuff. And then the fun stuff, which was, you know, the high school shows and, you know, just doing music that was a little more contemporary and just popular for the day.
0: Now, was music a part of your life as you were growing up? As a teenager, I know your dad was part of the military, but were you actually involved in music before you joined the military?
1: Yeah, well, you know what, music was around my whole life Mm -hmm. and um, my dad's a trombone player and uh, so I had a brass instrument kind of put in my face right from as as old as I can hold one and uh, and we grew up in Salvation Army too which is major brass banding right so um, so I had a a trumpet in my face before I ever had sticks in my hand but the reality was you know I'm doing Qantas festival you know stuff with my trumpet playing and you know um, lessons every week and all this stuff. Yeah. But the whole time, I'm, 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 you know, I got little pencils in my hand and I'm hitting... I remember this favorite rocking chair, so old, and just the way the spring's in it, cool sounds as you hit it. And I just... Uh, all my hours were just spent hitting things, you know? And, <laughs> and I think it was when I was 12, I think they finally said, you know what, this isn't going away. Like, we'll keep the trumpet playing going, but let's go buy him a you know, snare drum, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, my dad was in, we were in Ottawa at this point, and he's with the Central Band, the Canadian Air Force's, and um, he twisted the drummer's arm to come in and start giving me a few lessons on just snare drum. He said, if this goes well, then we'll, we'll look at the rest of it, you know? And it did, and I got my first drum set when I was, well, 12, And, I mean, I never look back. So, I mean, every day after school, I'm in there making all kinds of noise, driving my neighbors crazy. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure my parents are going, what have we done? But it just, it was a passion. Like, hours, you know. And then as I got a little older and met some other musicians, uh, yeah, the band started coming together and, and off it went. So, I've been playing music, really, my whole life. and. Yeah. And, you know, piano was around all the time. And so my dad just, you know, I wasn't interested in formal lessons. And my sister was, so she's doing all that conservatory stuff. But I just, I just wasn't interested in it. But my dad said, okay, well, I'm going to teach you chords, you know, one, three, five, you know, and Flatten the third for the minor. I'm like okay, and I kind of got used to that. So I do a lot of keyboard playing as well. So yeah. yeah.
0: Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about leaving the forces. Yeah, and then you do some outreach work, and then yep. eventually you get involved in the business of human trafficking. And how did that sort of yeah? Evolve? It's a
1: really crazy story. I mean, my 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 path to where I am now is just a, a crazy story. I mean, I figured the military. I don't know if I would do it for a whole career but it was good you know I was playing music for a living and you know doing what we do but when I was forced to get out it really I mean at that point I didn't go to any post-secondary school so I went from high school into the military so at the time in 94 it's like okay I don't have a job I have her first child on its way We were living on the base, so we had to leave. So we're like, I I don't know what's going on um, or what I'm going to do. And um, I'll make a long story a little short. um, I ended up working in a factory just because the opportunity was there and I had some connections and I was able to get in. Um, So I worked in Cancoil just down at Highway 15 for about a year. And then uh, my brother-in-law, he was working as a chaplain with the Salvation Army in the prisons. And I was always intrigued by... I don't know why, but prison stuff. And just um, and he, he said, look, I'm leaving. I think you'd be a great fit for this job. And it's really working one-on-one with inmates and their families and stuff. And, and I was desperate to get out of the factory. It was a culture shock being in there. Um, so I took this job. And so I was working in four of the institutions here in Kingston. And it was that time, I was there for about three years, I realized how much I really like working with people. Like I never been exposed to that side of just life Mm -hmm. and um, really enjoyed working with the guys on the inside. Um, And three years in, I was approached by a youth organization in town to run a teen drop in center. And I thought, well, it'd be a good idea to maybe get to these people before they get inside, you know. So I accepted that position and I worked with that organization for six years And I really realized, you know what, not only do I love working with people, but I really love working with young people. Um, I ended up working a lot on the street with that organization, just doing a lot of outreach work. And um, so seeing a lot of just the fringe, you know, working in the trenches with some of these people. But what happened was I also discovered, wow, a lot of the inmates that I met inside are now out on parole. I'm seeing them downtown. Um, I just... I spent a lot of time with all ages, so I ended up leaving the youth organization just because a lot of my times with a 32-year-old guy, you know, trying to change his life and whatever, whatever, um, and I just couldn't justify my hours um, in a youth organization. So anyway, I continued working work on the street, but then I went back to college. I was, wasn't making much money, and again, just had my high school, so I decided to go back to college, took a child and youth worker program. And at this point, I'm in my 30s, an old guy going back to college. That was another culture <laughs> shock. And, uh, and fast forward, I was in a class, uh, I think it was a family violence class, and our teacher showed the movie um, Human Trafficking. Donald Sutherland, I think, was in it. And I sat there, and at this point, I'm still working on the street. And I had a good rapport with some sex workers, some former sex workers. And I thought I was pretty submersed in this. You know what? I, I understand what's going on. But when I was exposed to this movie, this idea of people selling other people for profit and um, just the exploitation on that kind of level, it just I, I couldn't sleep at night. Like, it was just like, okay, is this really like happening and the movie is more of an international perspective, but it got me thinking like, is this happening in Kingston? Is this happening in Canada? Like what's going on? So it took me a bit of time, but I started just asking those that I had in relationship with, you know, different agencies, um, like Interval House, uh, the Shelter for Women, um, you know, the addictions agencies, and just saying, look, can I bend your ear a little bit? And, you know, do you know anything about human trafficking? If you do, do you see it in your agency or organization? And if you are, what are you doing about it? And within five minutes of the conversation, of me asking just these three questions, it was almost the same answer. It was like, well, we're pretty sure we're coming up against it. But we're not recognizing it for what it is. And we certainly don't have resources to deal with that complex victim. So I'm like, okay, well, that's, you know... Uh, that sucks on many levels. But uh, um, it still wasn't a hard enough confirmation for me. So it wasn't until I had the opportunity to sit down with a police officer um, from Kingston Police Force. And uh, he was kind of in between units at the time. And he was just coming out of the uh, major crimes unit undercover. And he was waiting to be placed somewhere. And I was introduced to him And he he was generous with his time, and he sat down with me, and I just said to him, look, same three questions, right? And he said, you know what? It is absolutely happening in this town. We have guys trafficking girls from Quebec, like, on a rotation kind of thing. Probably every three months they're rolling in. And I'm like, okay. But he said, you know what? These guys are dangerous, you know? You can't just walk up to them and say, you know what? I don't like you in my town. Leave. Um, But he was able to confirm for me that this is happening, but we, again... At that time, this is back in 2007, 2008, it wasn't in the major crimes unit's portfolio. Human mm-hmm. trafficking wasn't. Guns, gangs, drugs, but no human trafficking. So um, a super long story, made it a little shorter. Um, it, it just it kept me going in a direction of first discovering, like educating myself in, in this topic and then bringing like-minded people around the table and just saying, okay, you know what? What can we do about that? So there was a group that was put together. We were called Alliance for Action. Um, a lot of just education, awareness, holding events here in, in, in uh, Kingston, bringing in some people who are way down the road in this topic and, and can bring some knowledge and expertise and just start again, bringing the awareness to the table. Um, that lasted for five years. I kept doing my stuff on my own. I mean, I'm in a high school now. I work with you know, Limestone District School Board as a, as a high school counselor. I started doing present presentations in my school and um and it wasn't until oh gosh it was probably 2016 maybe I did a community event at Anguanada and I just opened it up to the general public I'm going to do a presentation basically human trafficking 101 kind of thing and I was expecting I would have been thrilled if I had 30 40 people show up um, Kingston Wig got hold of it they did an article um, and we had well over 200 people show up it was really overwhelming we had Kingston Police OPP RCMP um, agencies from around town service providers grandparents parents kids I mean you name it it was represented and it you know that my whole when I'm doing this on my own I always felt pretty vulnerable and like what credentials do I carry, (laughs) you know, to be speaking on this? Like I, I don't have lived experience. I don't, never consider myself an expert, but I just know what I know and I'm just sharing, you know, I'm doing what I can with what I have. And that's kind of my philosophy in life. Do what you can with what you have. So, um, I don't know if you've been exposed to Lionhearts. uh, Yeah. So Travis Blackmore, the director, good, good friend of mine. He was at that presentation and he came up to me and said, man, like this is, this is insane. I said, I know. And he said, have you ever considered coming under the umbrella of anybody, you know, an an organization? And at the time, I was looking at one other organization um, out of Cambridge, who I did a lot of work with. And they were a big support for me kind of moving forward. And um, he said, "If, if you are. I think you would be a great fit for what we do with Lionhearts and we would support you. We would help you raise money. We could write receipts for, you know, tax deductions, stuff like that for people who donate. And we just support you any way we can. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have to think twice about that. So, um, and it's local, right? It's right out of Kingston.
0: And it's a drummer talking to a drummer.
1: Yes, Travis is a drummer. (laughs) Yes, a great drummer. I had him him on on the podcast a A while back. Phenomenal guy, right? Like just visionary for sure. So uh, that became official in 2016, I think, 17. And I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Just like I did with well, a few of us did with Alliance for Action. I'm going to get some people around the table, and get strategic and intentional. So now Fast One Hundred One. That's when Fast One Hundred One was born, and that was 2017. And
0: what does Fast stand FAST for? Fast stands
1: for fighting against sex trafficking. So um, again, we're only a small group, five or six of us, and we all have full-time jobs. So this is all you know, voluntary. Um, and our our mandate is really. A lot like what Alliance for Action was, just education, awareness, filling in the gaps, you know, where needed. Um, a major thing that we do is first response bags. So a lot of people ask, like, at the end of presentations, like, what can I do, right? Like, yep. this is terrible. Um, and it's its not an easy question to answer because, you know, it's a, it's a complex crime. Um, you know, victims are extremely vulnerable, and it, it's hard to walk alongside the, these victims and survivors so
0: do we have uh, a sense as to what the age group is that's impacted like the victims yeah that well you see around town
1: for sure i mean the average age of being lured into this is 12 to 15 so very very young and now we're we're making efforts to get into grade six seven eights right now in the, in the school systems to, to speak to them mm-hmm. and get this information to them but um, i mean the average age 12 to 15 and then it kind of goes up right i mean if If you look at stats, over 76% of victims are under the age of 25, you know. Um, And the pimps and traffickers are not that much older, you know, Um, generally speaking. So it's it's pretty young people who who get pulled into this um, cesspool. Uh, And so, you know, our mandate is really, I mean, acknowledges power. And once you hear it, you just can't ignore it anymore, you know. And, you know, the importance of getting... This information to the young people for us is just so critical. And then looking at, again, okay, well, what do we do? You know, someone comes forward. We need to have the infrastructure set up. And, you know, there's a human trafficking working group here in town with lots of agencies are represented around the table as well as police working on a protocol right now for Kingston and um, just getting our heads together and, and trying to meet the, the needs that are there for these victims who are, finally trying to escape um this nightmare
0: the podcast itself uh, has been downloaded in a lot of different places mm-hmm. so it's not just kingston we're talking to i'm just curious to know if you've had any uh, contact with other folks from other communities you mentioned cambridge a little yep. while ago yeah what sort of uh, have you shared information back and forth
1: yeah for sure um There's a number of organizations. I mean, the bigger cities, I mean, Toronto, um, You Are Home is one that I've connected with. Bridge North is uh, another one, Um, Durham region. Um, I get emails and calls from different victim services offices, like from different areas. Durham is one I, I get not all the time, but, you know, a number of times just Mm -hmm. for, I mean, finances, we raise money and we're able to offer support financially for victims. And we don't have a lot of hoops to jump through. You know, if it's, if it's related to human trafficking, I just make a phone call or an email and we can get that money, you know? So, so a lot of times those, those service providers will reach out knowing, you know what, fast one-on-one is there and it doesn't have to be Kingston. I mean, this crime travels too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times, you know victims who have come through Kingston they may not you know have come out um, and exited you know um, their situation in Kingston but many times they've been touched you know by Kingston um, it, it has been kind of on the course for them and um, it doesn't matter so but yeah these other agencies um, you know there's lots of training online and a lot of times you see the same oh hey you know there's so and so and and they're you know they're they're pretty active so we're always just, you know, email or text or phone call away. And, you know, if I've got questions, you know, there's people in Ottawa too that I'm tapped into that I, you know, call up quite often saying, look, I you know, here's a situation. Can you help? Or do you have resources available? And it's it's a really good partnership that way.
0: Now, is your position at uh, Ernestown Secondary, mm-hmm. is that something that's related to human trafficking or is it just a more general approach to counseling?
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, so adolescent care worker is my title, which is basically counselor. Um, you know, I don't deal with any of the academic side unless they have issues with their teacher. Then I, might, <laughs> I might step in. But it's really sorting out life, you know, just getting them through their adolescent years in one piece, you know. So that could be anything and nothing's off the table. So and then given that, you know, I've kind of just brought in this whole human trafficking piece. And again, like even today, I had another conversation with the kid, you know. Who uh, wants to go to Nova Scotia? And I'm like, why? Well, I met a guy online, and it's like, okay, <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> and they're like, oh my goodness. I'm like, yeah. So you know, I just because of where I've been over the last number of years and the work that I've done in regards to trafficking, I just it's just a natural fit, you know. And in Limestone District School Board, this year is particularly has really stepped up their game in the education piece and I think there's funding for that so now we've got it in the grade nine curriculum in the health curriculum where they they actually take a couple days to teach about this this issue this topic so um yeah it's just been a really good fit for me and uh very easy to do that and just educating all the other people doing my job in the other high schools as well so you know every school in our in our school board uh, for sure somebody in in every school has been trained on this stuff
0: now, very important topic, and when I was talking with someone else, your name came up, but your name came up as a musician. So, uh. <laughs> when I started looking online for information about you, I saw this piece, and I'm reading through this stuff, and that's why I wanted to integrate this into our conversation today, yeah. because it is an important topic. Mm-hmm. But as it relates to music, how does music fit into your daily life now? I mean, given the the work you do in the school, and given the work you do with FAST? Um,
1: well, I... So, I mean, being a drummer, um, you know, that was always my first love musically, but um, I started doing a bit of writing years ago, and when I was doing that project, I brought in some guys that, you know, I knew could play, and we ended up putting a band together, and in that band, I started doing the vocals. And just rhythm and guitar and a little percussion on the side, so that band was together oh gosh maybe fifteen years or so, and um, did a few recordings um, and then it just kind of folded uh, over time and I really missed drumming i'm thinking man I really want to get back into drumming so there's a couple opportunities in town i didn't we didn 't do a lot of clubs when I, in this band we did more out of town stuff so i wasn't really familiar with the club scene or the bar scene yeah. as a musician um, but getting back into drumming was my way in and and I connected with a couple guys in town, and, you know, just sat in with them, and then it just kind of mushed me from there, but as I'm playing a lot of drumming again, I'm like, man, I miss singing, like, I miss this, <laughs> I, like, I just can't have it all, right, so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna learn a bunch of cover tunes that I've always loved growing up, and, you know, listening to, and on my list, and playlists and stuff, and, uh, and see where I can go with this and, and see if I can start just gigging around town. And I have been for the last, well, four or five years anyway.
0: See, that was my next question, yeah. is, is playing cover tunes. Yes. Who do you like to play?
1: Oh, I am I am an 80s guy. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, all the classic rock, 80s, 90s, all that stuff. You know, Tom Petty, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, U2, Super Tramp eddie money
0: (laughs) it just goes on (laughs) goes on and on on. the
1: beatles you know all that stuff
0: so when you're going to a bar you tend to perform at least based upon what i've seen in terms of uh, videos that are online it's just you and your instrument
1: yes just myself guitar and uh singing yeah
0: when you're in a bar playing you're playing some of your songs some of their songs or other people's songs yeah mixture of both
1: yeah well yeah yeah, you know with the band we did mostly originals through the years um but i it was just it, i didn't find a lot of them translated well to just a solo acoustic guy you know yeah. there 's a few that i'll pull out, and it's just so long ago like i just it was hard pulling those ones out again you know and um and then there's a couple of local musicians who just really encouraged me like are you got, are you writing and i'm like, oh man, Anytime I wrote anything is in you know in collaboration with the guys right the band, yeah. and i've never really worked hard at you know what I'm just going to do something on my own but you know they kept mad at me and said you know what yeah why not you know so I started over COVID and um you know had a number of songs yeah you know what I think I can take these in the studio and, and I really wasn't going to record them but uh Bon Evans he just twisted my arm and said you got to get in and do this stuff right so uh yeah so I did so last um April, May, um, approached uh, Long Shot Studios with Matt Bates, and, uh, and again, good friend, musician, friend of mine, and played with us for a while. Um, he, uh, he had me come into the studio, worked through the summer, and then October had the EP released, and um, yeah, and away we go. So I will bring some of those songs into my, my sets.
0: When you're writing songs, what comes first, music or the lyrics?
1: Is it really, see... <laughs> I would never consider myself a songwriter. Like when someone says, okay, I need you to write a song by, by like two weeks from now. I'm like, I can't do that under pressure. I can't. I'm a drummer. That's when I, I remind everybody I'm a drummer, <laughs> a percussionist. But, uh, but when they come, they come. And, and normally, uh, you know, I'll just sitting on an instrument with piano or guitar and I'll just fall on something, even if it's just two chords, and it's like, oh. And then some melody may come to mind and I'll just grab the phone Hit the little video and get this documented somehow. And I already have about four or five to go back to already to start thinking about new songs. And I'll leave it for a bit and come back. And it's the lyrics that I just oh they get me every time. It's like what do I have to say? Yeah, you know. And and that's that's where I'll just have that's where I really have to work hard and force myself. Okay, you know I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna just throw some thoughts on paper. And um, so normally it's the music idea. And then, okay, I'm just going to write down some thoughts, and then I try and just blend them together, and then it kind of just takes off from there. And normally, it's it's not much effort. It just seems to happen, which is great. You know, it's not forced.
0: Have you heard the story of how Randy Bachman came up with the American Woman introduction? Was that during a sound check? His strings broke on his guitar, and he was replacing the strings. Okay. And then he was playing with the strings to make sure everything was going okay. And he he developed that riff. And he kept playing it over and over until the band came back up on stage. Right. (laughs) And told Burton Cummings to start singing something. Yeah. And that's how, you never know, and stuff it's, like it's, that's going to come. It's, it's just, and
1: it's crazy. That's it's how it works. Yeah. It, just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, I don't know what kind of feedback you get from people who listen to you. I know that um, when I listen to music, and this is just my personal opinion, I like the feel of a song, right? Yeah. Sometimes I can't catch the lyrics as they go flying by, yeah. or sometimes the lyrics are really important, and I and I really get into the lyrics. But it's the overall feel of the music in the song that, that yeah. gets me in something i'll play over and over again if it's something yeah. i like yeah and i don't know what kind of feedback you get from your stuff or you haven't played much of your own stuff lately is what yeah, you're saying, just right?
1: starting yeah <clears throat> in fact i'm putting a band together right now just to maybe do a couple gigs and with a band and doing all the original stuff just seeing how that feels live um, with a band kind of you know approach um but i i i would never say especially on guitar like i I am a pretty simple player, and I think some of my favorite musicians probably aren't the most technically, you know, out there. Yeah, but they're very passionate about what they do. They can play three chords and just wow! Like there's some heart and soul there, and for me anyway, that I don't care if it's a drummer, pa- like a, a guitar player, a singer, like when when it's oozing passion. it's coming from that, that's a deep place that's coming from. It
0: has a way of finding into the person on the receiving end of it, you know? Before we started to record, we talked a little bit about you listening to one of the other podcasts involving Savannah Shea. Yeah. And I saw her perform at the Isabel Bader Mm -hmm, Center, mm -hmm. and she had a band with her. And I remarked when I was talking to her that uh, the band seemed to uh, have the opportunity to let go to do their thing right as part of her song and right. she said that when she writes the music she writes very basic simple stuff and right. says okay guys right. just do what you want to do sort of thing
1: well i think that's that's the beauty of it right yeah. um i mean i think i don't know if it's sting but it's the idea was like you know what i look good when they look good yeah. i let them go let them play yeah you know you know what that reflects on me too You know, like it's always surround yourself with better musicians than you are, That's right. you know, and and I try and keep that, you know, at the forefront of my thoughts when I'm looking around who's around me, but it's true. You know, you let, let them do their thing, you know, let the music breathe. It has life, you know, and, and, um, and it's, it's amazing to see what happens, but I think the soul can speak to the soul. You know, I think when it's coming from that place, it reaches that place and that, that person on the receiving end, recognizes hey mm-hmm. i can i feel that you know and that's yeah it's the beauty of music when it's coming from that spot
0: let's talk about the ep for a second sure it's called long way home yep six songs yeah and uh, i listen to all of the songs on the ep and i hear this rooster in my head <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah over and over again <laughs> um but it's a chorus thing And most of the songs have a great chorus, in my opinion, Yeah, you know, something that that you catch on to, and and that's the magic of a lot of songs, is the chorus coming back and keeping that song in your head for a longer period of time. Yeah, Where was it recorded?
1: Uh, Longshot Studios. Which is where? Uh, It's just the West End. Um, In uh, Kingston? In Kingston. Okay. Yeah, Matt Bates, uh, that's his business. Um, Yeah, great musician, great friend, great engineer, yeah.
0: They're all your songs.
1: Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: written and recorded, Yeah. <clears throat> performed. Brother. Excuse me. Couple of things: sax solo in "Coming Home." Mm. Who did? The, who plays mm. the sax? Was John
1: Bunny Stewart did the sax solo. Is
0: that the fellow that plays with Georgette Frank? I think,
1: and and I think I've seen him also. He plays with a lot of people, but uh, Emily Fennel, Miss em- Miss Emily, I think uh, I've seen him play. Um, yeah, super guy. Um, so, and also Ian Kamoji, he. He also played sax. So he's kind of on the tail end of that song. Mm -hmm. He didn't do the main sax solo, but he kind of noodles at the end of that song. And then I think it's the first track, Carry On. He also does some sax work. Ian does in that as well. That has um, a
0: great chorus as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's good. How would you categorize the kind of music that you write and perform?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh...
0: I ask this question of almost every musician I talk to, and I get the same answer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah,
1: well, it's funny. Uh, I can't remember what friend it was, but he listened to it. He said, yeah, you know what? It just it kind of took me back to my 80s rock days, you know? Like, I and I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, hey, I like the 80s kind of mm-hmm. rock stuff. But, and I don't know if that's because, it, you know, it, it is melodic, like the melodies are there. The choruses are, I don't know, um it's melody right and it's you know it's kind of the chorus has kind of hit another level um you know which may i don't know reflect to the 80s kind of music i don't know but i don't know how to categorize it i mean it's uh i don't know is what it is i don't know and i mean it's not country right <laughs> <laughs> not that hip-hop. there's
0: anything wrong with country no nothing no. wrong with country <clears throat> No, the, um, the one thing I was curious about when it comes to um, the two passions that you have, yeah. right, that we've been talking about during the program today, do you feel you're making progress?
1: Like in the human trafficking field, like just making progress. As well as music. And music. Or bringing awareness. Awareness, out. yeah, I, I would say absolutely. I mean, as far as the trafficking side of things, um i'll tell you i started this in 2007 there's nothing police wasn't even on the police's radar you know and so to see where we've come now it's in grade nine curriculum you know um hard pressed to find an agency in town who hasn't been exposed to this and done some training like we've leaps and bounds which mm-hmm. is great um musically gosh i haven't recorded since 2000 so the fact that i've you know my arm has been Twisted a bit, and I've gotten into the studio, and I have this e p out and I've already got a few others kind of brewing, but like, yeah, like it's moving, I mean, my goal was really a few years back was just you know what I want to learn some covers and start playing around town a bit, you know, and just enjoying that community of people, and um man, like last summer, yeah, all summer, every weekend, three, four gigs a weekend like is like it was just non stop and man, I couldn't be more grateful and happy about that, you know, so I think. That is certainly moving forward, and um, met some incredible people along the way too. You know, which is phenomenal.
0: That's one thing I've lived in this town quite a while, and there are an awful lot of talented musicians, oh. singers, songwriters, players in this community. Oh, it's incredible. saturated yep.
1: with it. It's it's incredible. Yeah. yeah.
0: Let's go down the road ten years. Where are you with these two passions? Or what would you Ooh. like to see happen? Uh well.
1: I would like to see human trafficking no longer an issue, (laughs) Um, but if nothing else, 10 years from now, I'd love to see multiple safe houses that are up and running and, and, you know, um, are sustainable. Um, It's a priority. Um, You know, those who find themselves in those situations um, have recognized that it's safe to come out. You can exit. You know and um there's there's full supports, and you know there'll be testimony from those who are survivors who can testify to the fact that yep, the system works, you know it's not evil, they're not the bad guy yeah. um there you can heal from this and actually regain what you've lost and and um and have a life um musically, <laughs> I don't know, I <laughs> like. <laughs> I I man I I just hope I'm doing this till the day I drop. Like I I mean music will never it it's just been part of my life. Will always be part of my life. I don't know, 10 years from now I'll probably be looking at retirement and maybe I'll be going to, you know, retirement homes and <laughs> playing for them. I don't know, my music will be relevant, who knows? But uh it will still be happening in some form. Absolutely, you know. So I don't know. We'll see. We bought an RV, so maybe we'll hit the road and <laughs> let the music pay for the gas. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: given the price of gas. Yeah, oh yeah, and RVs.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Contact information as you think about human trafficking and versus the music. If somebody wants to get a hold of you,
1: yeah. Well, on the human trafficking side of things, um, we do have a Facebook page um, now. I, I can't remember. I mean, it's facebook.com slash whatever. But if you, the easiest way to find that is just Google it or go on Facebook, search for it. fighting against sex trafficking 101, like Kingston, it pops up. Um, you can tap into that, keep up to date on what we're doing. You can follow it there. Uh, you can message us directly from there. And I mean, we're on it every day at least i am on it every day and a lot of people reach out that way we do have an instagram as well um again you have to search for it um i don't run that side of it somebody else does yeah um um
0: but we have the facebook yes page
1: yeah for sure um music i have a facebook music page and that's just facebook.com slash my last name vander horden so v-a-n-d-e-r H O R D E N. Um I keep all that all my information up there mm-hmm. and people can reach out to me that way as well. But th- that tends to be the the easiest way and the most accessible way.
0: What I'll do is I'll put this on the liner notes for the episode when it goes. Oh great. When okay. it's published so people okay. can find you. Um one last question. Uh Dig.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm also a biker. So uh <laughs>
0: One of those. Yeah,
1: that's that's my therapy. Music and biking on my motorcycle. So, you know, a lot of bikers have road names. And um, DIG is short for didgeridoo. Okay. Australian instrument. Mm -hmm. And I do play one. It doesn't come out very often. I just drive my family crazy um, by playing at home. And it's not the most, you know, pleasant sounding thing. Um, But uh, that people found that out and it just kind of... Oh, Digge, okay, and it kind of stuck, and uh, but and then I thought, okay, you know, some of the groups that I was riding with, I w- I'm not riding with anymore. I'm just out on my own, doing my own thing, but somehow it must have been on my socials or something. And when I started playing in town, you know, guys I'm playing with, they'll introduce me as Doug Digge, and I'm like okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and it just kind of stuck And yeah, so.
0: It's shorter than Vanderhoort. Van it is,
1: yeah. and that's probably half the reason why I just don't care. <laughs> so, okay, whatever. So anyway, but yeah.
0: All right, well, I, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and chat, and I've enjoyed yeah. our conversation, and all the best to you going forward. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dave. Thanks. My guest on today's podcast was Doug Vanderhoorten. If you'd like more information, I'll include the social media links in the show notes on our website. For those of you listening today, thank you, and we'll talk soon. The theme music for the podcast is Stasis Oasis, written and performed by Kingston musician Tim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of the episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast at gmail.com. For details on upcoming guests, follow us on Facebook. The Kingstonian Podcast is hosted by Dave Cunningham and produced in Kingston, Ontario, Canada.